1: I'm Dr. Corbin Weaver, an OB-GYN resident.
0: I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one, too.
2: And I'm Dave Etler, their podfather. And, and we, we are,
0: are the Vagabonds,
1: Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds.
0: We don't give medical advice, and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves.
2: We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway. Today, we're going to be talking about... The paths to, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> today we're going to be t- talking about <laughs> the different pathways that one could take after ob residency for someone who is interested in uh, community health, primary care, things like
0: that. And the difference between family medicine and OB-GYN.
2: Which is why we have today as our special guest, Adam Verhoef. Adamson. Hey everyone! Good to be on the podcast for the first time. Nice. Ooh. Usually,
3: no,
1: has been referenced a couple of times, yeah, yeah. Yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Multiple I know my time. name's. Uh,
3: it's come up a few times, uh, but uh, here, definitely, here I finally am. I exist.
0: Definitely the most attractive podcast host guest wow. we've ever had. Wait
3: a minute! I thank you for awkward. Don't actually me go around. Google my picture. Just believe it from what she says. Yeah. Okay, just, just, just believe.
2: <laughs> Before we get into this, uh, Katie, I want to congratulate you. Uh, Why? while I was editing the show, I only noted one yawn.
0: Oh, it, it was a yeah. bad mm-hmm. one, too. I
2: know <laughs> one yawn. That is,
0: I'm
1: so tired.
2: That's pretty good.
1: She had just been on vacation, so she was well rested. That's well, true.
2: Well, more, there's more gonna vacation. be a lot more.
0: There's gonna be a lot more today because I am on nights and I also was just drinking, so because <laughs> <laughs> it's my weekend.
2: Oh, well
0: This good is
3: technically
2: you. her morning, so
3: this it was is my, morning drinking. Yeah, this is wow. my
0: morning drinking. That's, it makes
2: it acceptable. That's fantastic. Good. What were you what yep. were you uh, what were you drink what's your morning drink of choice?
0: Well we went out with friends for see I'm yawning because 'cause we're talking about it. We went out with friends for dinner and I had a mead and a cider.
1: Mmm, mm, mead they were both
0: very good.
2: Very classy. I don't know mm. if I've ever had a mead. I'm hella classy. I'm not really sure. Anyway.
3: If
0: you I don't think go, I have um the what's the winery called? Cedar Ridge? Yeah, Cedar Ridge Winery. That's between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. They have oh, yeah, an amazing yeah. apple mead. Oh, really? All right. Yeah, it's incredible. Have to It's really really my sweet. It's it's like honey. It's it's fermented honey. Yeah.
2: Isn't that what mead C- is? Fermented honey.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So it's yeah. really sweet. Mm.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll give it a try sometime. Cedar Ridge. Not a sponsor.
0: <laughs> I wish though. <laughs> <laughs> And it's Cedar Ridge. It's a good place if you're ever in Iowa City. Head out to Cedar Ridge. Cedar Ridge, yeah, you want to sponsor
2: us? Throw some meat. our way. S- throw some meat our summer, way.
1: Somewhere they have like music on Fridays or something like that. I don't know. Yeah,
0: and wood-fired pizzas. Yeah. And wine by the bottle.
1: Indeed. Nice. And brunch. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: As
2: a med student, it's a classy place to hang out.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we got a listener question uh, this week, which I'm very. I love
0: listener emails.
2: I, I mean, talk about exciting. First of all, uh, I'll I'll just read it. Hi, Dr. Corbin, Dr. Katie, and Dave. Thank you for including me. I love this podcast and have been listening to you all for about a year now. I'm a first-year medical student, and the Centering Pregnancy episode actually inspired me to take steps... To bring centering to our hospital we just submitted a grant for it so fingers crossed thank you all for all that you do okay i think we could stop podcasting now i know Success. i mean yeah, you know how you usually awesome. say if one person does something as a result of whatever crap i'm doing uh then i will consider my job do- well done yeah you all seem to have reached the pinnacle that's so. it yeah.
1: that's it it's all down here from here Hello, from that's here true. guys
2: yeah Nobody else will do anything we suggest.
1: That's but, also like props to her. That's like, that's a lot yeah, of initiative. That's, really that's awesome.
2: Especially as a first yeah, year medical a, student.
3: Yeah. Especially as a first year medical yeah. student when you're just trying to survive, like yeah. actually thinking past right. the first year. Yeah. Maybe Good then you
0: can, when you're a fourth year, you can do an elective in Centering like I did.
2: Yeah. I should have said this is uh, Kristen from Chicago. Thank you, Kristen, for writing in. She did have a question as well. Um, and I'm just going to skip to the question part. I was wondering if you could speak on the different pathways you could take after ob residency, especially someone interested in community health and primary care, and maybe differences between ob and family med docs who specialize in labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question, I think.
0: Yeah, it is a good question. Are, Which, yeah. So I guess we didn't say this yet. That's why Adam's here, because he's a family medicine doctor. That's right. We're
3: trying get- to give that family medicine perspective. Yeah that we all you know
1: crave yeah (laughs) it's really truly needed (laughs) True.
0: we uh yeah so adam he can talk about this more but uh, basically he's also really interested in women's health and really likes ob um, but he you know likes the other things in family medicine too which we (laughs) corbin and i don't like so much the only (laughs)
3: difference between me and an ob guy is that i am ready and willing to see male patients as well
1: (laughs) I can't relate on that. I'm not Me ready and willing. I'm
2: Katie and Corey, And that's why I'm rejected, in family medicine. Rejected male patients.
1: Yep. yep. Not interested in your male problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Except um, in this rotation that I'm doing now, it's reproductive endocrinology and infertility. I have to look at, oh. see, I have to do semen analysis. Ugh. It's the worst. The worst. It's very smelly.
2: Smelly? Oh, no. It's oh, smelly. no
1: too far it's I'm sorry friendly. and uh yeah it's gross it's yeah it, oh like, the pitfalls
3: I like, of being an OB gun
1: yeah
0: do you this is really random but do you guys do circumcisions at your hospital
1: oh this is like a new thing where they used to always do them the OBs did but then the pediatricians wanted to start doing them and so like but they still have it open for us like if we want to go learn to go learn mm-hmm. how to do them I've opted not to ever do that because it's not really something I want to do, nor... Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just not my... We we do. I'd rather deliver a
1: baby than a circumcision, so...
0: Yeah. We do this. We do circumcisions at my hospital. So, this is, like, a really weird thing. This is a really random topic, but this is, like, a really weird thing in medicine that, like, who... No one knows, like, who's supposed to do circumcisions because, like, OBs do them and pediatricians do them, and it's, like... OBs are surgeons, but we don't see male patients. And pediatricians see babies, but they're not surgeons. So it's like, who's supposed to do circumcision? It's weird. And then family medicine does them, but no one... That's okay with everybody, I feel like.
3: Yeah. No no one complains when we come no. in and do the circumcision.
0: No one gets mad. It's like this really strange thing. So like when you're interviewing for OB residencies, you're like, do you do circs here? I don't know. It's like a thing you can ask. There you go. That's my hot hot interview tip for
2: Kristen.
3: people you
0: yeah. <laughs> are interviewing.
3: Yeah. I feel like That's with whatever. many of those things in life, that- when everyone's asking the question of who does this actually belong to, everyone's always like, ah, family medicine can deal with it. <laughs>
1: That's I love that. Like, uh, please follow up with your PCP regarding this. Exactly, it's like this. When
0: I realized that I didn't have to deal with everything that I could refer to PCP, I was like, yes,
3: it is really this big catch-all. Like, no matter, like, if you just don't know what's going on, or like, I don't really want to deal with this. Just, just go see your PCP. Someone else can deal with this. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's that's the only male patients that I see. Is the little babies.
2: And are they happy to see you? Mm Mm-hmm. Not really.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, I'm really good at it and they sleep through the whole thing, so it's fine. Really? Uh-huh.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, they usually they give them usually I, I haven't water. done that but the, yeah, sugar water. Usually they don't really mind very much. Mm-mm. The kiddos.
0: Hm. Yep. But anyway. Okay. So, uh let's talk about what we're going to talk about.
2: Kristen's so, question.
0: Yeah. Kristen's question is a really good question. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people who go into, a lot of people who choose to go into OB or family because of these reasons, I think it's like a really big struggle um, to like kind of decide sometimes. I think I would say like the main difference besides the one we already talked about, like family med sees a lot more broad spectrum than we do, but also we're surgeons and they, typically are not you can do like a family medicine uh, fellowship and get like c-section trained um, but typically that's not what people do
3: there's only like four to six residencies in the u.s. where you can actually accomplish that
0: hmm. in residency
3: for family medicine
0: yeah but otherwise you'd have to do a fellowship but
1: yeah um do you want to talk i about feel like why? that used to be more common yeah, it But it's not as common anymore. And I, I don't have any, like, research to, like, back that up. Well, actually, I know that actually my hospital my used to have a family med OB fellowship, and they don't mm. have it anymore. Yeah.
3: No, you're absolutely right. Uh, having done some research on this myself, uh, it used to be much, much more common, especially back before we even had <coughs> residencies, but uh, has been um, kind of taken over by the OB uh, OB guys as a, uh, a residency as a whole.
0: Yeah. So, do you want to talk about why you want to do OB as a family medicine doctor?
3: Yeah, I can talk about that. Um, so, really, for me, uh, OB-GYN as a whole, I really enjoy it as the, the full spectrum family medicine. Um, the nice thing about family medicine is you can kind of narrow it down to kind of doing whatever you want. Uh, OB-GYN is also really exciting because you have a, a big, I don't know, a big accomplishment waiting for you at the end when the baby actually gets delivered. Uh, so, it's very... Um, it's a lot of fun to help patients walk through the OB gyne experience through walk through the uh, the pregnancy and then uh, eventually at the delivery um, and so for uh, as a doctor it's just it's a lot of fun to actually be able to help someone through that process
2: and did you say how many babies you've delivered Adam I have delivered 15 okay just trying to follow, just trying to keep this uh... Competition going between Katie and Corbin.
3: No, oh, I am, I am far behind both Corbin and uh and Katie, but luckily for them, I'm not an ob guy, okay. so that's okay yeah.
2: for now. All right,
0: yeah. Um,
2: I did not successfully well, deliver any babies since the last show, so oh, you'll get
3: there, Dave. Right. Give it time. That's
0: Dave's new year's resolution <laughs>
2: <laughs> to deliver babies.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> you're only six days into the new year, yeah, so you're good. You know,
0: it's fine.
3: Just got to convince um, some mother.
0: The other thing, so I mean, I think you some so some people this is this was brought up in the email too um Kristen talks about in a part we didn't read she said that um it seems that more OB-GYNs are leaning towards specializing in the guy side of OB-GYN and family med docs are more flexible um which is something that I think is really interesting so that is kind of true so uh just like So I think we talked about this before, but OB obstetrics is like pregnancy related health care. And then GYN is has to do with gynecologic organs. So the uterus, fallopian tubes and ovaries and vagina. And um, so when it's not pregnant, so specifically, so uh, there is this like, well, it is true that like, obstetricians are on call a lot because obviously babies come whenever they want to and that's just like how life is and so if you're an obstetrician you're on call a lot you work overnight you um are at the beck and call of whenever babies decide they're gonna come um and all that good stuff so when you're 60 years old and you're still a practicing physician, sometimes you don't want to be on call in the middle of the night. And in order to avoid that, you basically, if you switch your practice to GYN, then you see clinic patients, you have scheduled surgeries, you can cover the OR or the um, like emergency cases because there's still emergency GYN cases that need to go in the middle Mm. of the night, like a septic abortion for like a DNC or like a ruptured ectopic pregnancy or a torse ovary or something. Like those would still be emergency surgeries, but usually um, that's a lot rarer than a delivery. And so a lot of older physicians are switching towards a more GYN centered practice, um, which I think is something that we haven't really talked about yet on this podcast, but it's really interesting. And I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I think that the future of our, our uh, specialty will go towards like splitting the two. I don't know how I feel about that because I, I mean, I like both of them. That's why I want to be a generalist because I don't want to give up one or the other. Um, I definitely like one more than the other right now, but I think that's just because one stresses me out a lot more than the other. (laughs) But um, like OB right now stresses me out a lot because that's just because that's what I do a lot of right now, though. And GYN's fun to me because it's like, I don't know, it's just a lot. uh, It's like less of what I do, but more of like what I'm interested in is like the hormonal parts of. That
2: have anyway, you, have you expressed I a feel preference? the opposite? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, was gonna say. Most, I yeah. feel the opposite. I'd, I, I'd rather do OB than guying right now, and I think it's because I'm more used to it. Like, it's like it can be insane on the floor, but it's like something when you're used to it, it's whatever, you know. Yeah, it makes said. Yeah. And
0: I, I mean, I used to like OB too. I think it's just like currently I just get really stressed out by it. And that's why, cause I like when I was a fort, like last year, like I love them both equally. And I think I will, once I'm done, love them both equally again. It's just right now I just like get so stressed out cause it's like so busy and it just like, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, too. I'm like, and I'm also like not burnout, but like, it's just I've done it so much well, that like now I'm like, okay, like I could maybe do, and I love doing DNCs too. I think that's the other thing, like D Cs are like my favorite procedure that I've done so far in residency. So I really like that. And that's GYN. And so that's like, I really just love that right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: I just, um, and I mean the thing about OB too is like, it's so unpredictable and everything can be fine one second and then not fine the next second. Yeah. And so it can be, that's like very stressful to cope with on a day to day basis.
0: Yeah. It is.
1: Um, but anyway. Yeah, but I think that also I mean, the field itself and I think this also kind of gets to the Chris it was Kristen's point was, um, or question rather that it feels like and this seems to be the trend that more and more OBGYNs are, you know, sub specializing and um there are fewer like kind of generalist OBGYNs. Um and, I mean, there's always been talk about maybe, like, tracking OBGYN in the future. So, like, obstetrics tracks versus gynecology tracks. But, I mean, I guess we'll see if that actually becomes a thing. But
2: Is, is, that, a, uh, is so, that a function of... I mean, why is that happening, do you think? Why are people... Yeah, why, why, why is this necessary, do people, do, do you think?
1: I think it's kind of, like, fits in with the trends like national trends of like all specialties like more people sub-specialize it's like more people go get master's degrees kind of thing I don't know
2: I was wondering if it was a, a function of you know the, the sort of doubling of knowledge that people talk about yeah where you know as we get more and more, more
1: overwhelmed we get by more the and more general, knowledge yeah yeah
2: I just think also as
3: there gets to be uh, bigger and bigger hospital systems, like everything's always consolidating anymore. And so as you get bigger and bigger hospital systems, yeah. there is more of a need for more and more specialization, or you have the ability to support those specialists. And so I I, I agree with Corbin. I think that's the direction where it's going to keep going, especially in your bigger metropolitan areas where you can consolidate big hospitals.
1: Yeah. In some ways, though, I think that the distinction between like between. Um like making if you're deciding between like family med and OBGYN because I had considered family med for a while but I think it's not so much like the question of can I do community health if I you know specialize because you can like there's definitely a role for that in OBGYN and there's a role for that in family medicine obviously but it's more of the question of like are you interested in a surgical subspecialty or are you interested in more of a like medicine-y type specialty Mm -hmm.
3: yeah i think that's a great point um
1: i mean because that's kind of the way i the major difference i see with the you know like me i realized that like i wouldn't i want to be in a surgical subspecialty like i want to be a surgeon that's so
3: and i have no interest in being a surgeon
1: so (laughs) i think that's kind of and there's a role um like, in public health for OBGYNs, there's a role in public health for family practice physicians. I mean, the one thing that is cool about family practice physicians that I, like, kind of envy is that you can, like, follow the mom and the baby after and, like, Mm -hmm. see them grow and stuff. And, like, but you know
3: yeah that is a very handy part about being family medicine Also, the nice thing about it is you build
1: uh, your practice by just
0: doing your regular job (laughs) exactly
3: yeah you don't have to try to attract a certain age group or uh, a certain gender of patients uh dare i say i mean they kind of just come to you as normal patients and eventually they get pregnant and then you deliver their babies and follow them as they get older and then through the rest of their life it's it's kind of nice
1: it is a cool field. Um, family medicine is. And there's a lot of opportunity there. But, you know, I think the one thing is, though, if you are interested in being a family practice position who has like a lot of obstetric patients, I do think that those providers are more in rural areas like yeah, you'd be I would um, absolutely agree have and you know so if you want to live in a rural area like that would be a really good you know pursuing family medicine would be a really mm-hmm. great you know path for you or yeah it would be a great path for you but also I mean the U.S. has a huge shortage of OBGYNs in rural areas yeah, yeah. though I mean the conversation about like what is the role of an OBGYN in a rural area versus like what like what can we tackle with family medicine providers who are, you know, can do obstetrics. Yeah.
0: The other thing about family med uh, doing obstetrics that I've, like, seen secondhand from Adam doing it is that you definitely have to, like, hustle more than, like, to get experience enough to, like, be a competent provider yeah. who like is on their own because um, it's one thing to like be a family med when you have like OB backup immediately is like a little different than like having to do everything on your own is like in residency like you have to like hustle a little, a little more um, if you want to do that to try to like make sure that you're getting the experience you want because in some residencies you get plenty of that experience but in some of them it's like a little more um it's not always there for you. And so you have to like work a little harder to try to make sure that you prioritize that just depending on which residency you go to.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's just like we were talking about earlier with, you know, fellowships like OB fellowships being less and less prevalent for family medicine. That I think that goes along with um, the changes that yeah, more OB residents are taking over kind of like, you know, the numbers of what Mm -hmm. family medicine residents probably used to get.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, and then the other thing, like, I like that you brought up the whole, like, what is the role of an OB in a rural area? Because so Adam and I both worked at a hospital in Iowa. That's like a small hospital where family medicine doctors still do all the OB care. And it's a really interesting uh, dynamic because number one, the general surgeons do the C sections because there's no OBGYN. And that's really weird. Just for anyone who doesn't know OB care, general surgeons don't usually do C-sections. They like don't. Yeah. Anyway, it's just not something that they're trained in. So that's strange. And then, but like, it's really cool because if you were an OB and you wanted to like come in and basically not steal all their patients, you could come in and like just cover C-sections in your own patients and then like take call, you know, like you could be in that call rotation. And that's like kind of what I... I don't know. Right now, like that sounds like nice to me is like joining a practice where there's like some other family medicine doctors because then you don't have to cover all the OB yourself, but you also can get the GYN cases from them kind of Mm -hmm. um, since they're not surgeons. So I think it's like if you kind of are open to like working outside of your specialty a little bit because there's lots more. Like, the trend now is for multi-specialty practices. Um, I know that there's, like, a couple opening up around here where it's, like, you know, pediatrics, family medicine, OB, and, like, general surgery maybe all, like, in the same practice, which is, like, super interesting and potentially really nice.
2: Yeah, I could see how that would be really attractive for patients. For
1: sure. So, I mean... And, you know, you're, if you're interested in, like, public health, community health, there's just so much to do, like, both, like, women's health is obviously a huge public health issue, and so being a women's health expert, I think, is a good path to follow, um, if you're interested in that kind of thing. So, yeah. I guess my point is that you can't really go wrong, but I really do think it has to be more about, like, what kind of, like, do you want to be a surgeon? Do you want to not, you know, that kind yeah. of thing yeah. that kind of needs and kind of what do you what do you, you want your
3: practice to look like like who who do you want to yeah. be working with and um age range of patients gender of patients like all that stuff you right. have to ask yourself
1: yeah. yeah if you never want to see a male yeah exactly or if you would hate not being able to see men or children or whatever though unfortunately yeah. some i mean well i mean also ob see children but you know what i mean like in routine care So does, or if you want to take care of routine things, I mean, OBGYNs do to a little, like some women use their OBGYNs as their primary care provider, but, um, you know, most of the time we aren't like managing diabetes or like, unless it's in pregnancy or, um, hypothyroid, you know, stuff like that, hypertension, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right. Yeah, that's like one. It's like a, OBA is like a really, really weird specialty when it comes to that because it's like
1: it is primary care, but it's also not primary care. Like, yeah, it's very strange. Well, and even even like my attendings, you'll see like a really wide variation of like what kind of preventative care they will like, yeah, do for their same. patient versus like what they'll just refer to their PCP. Some people will order all of the screening tests and, you know, like all of the, you know, checking your cholesterol and stuff like that. I'm starting you on Lipitor or whatever and mm-hmm. starting you on Sertraline and stuff like that. But um, yeah. other people, not so much. Yeah, that's very true. But, you know, you could look at the positive of you have the choice to be like, eh, no, thanks. No, that's not for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nice to, like, be able to say that you don't feel comfortable doing like, you know treating something
1: yeah but it's i feel true. like so family, family medicine that, has the right to do that too yeah. you know they could be like you know this is too specialist for me they also oh yeah. have and we,
3: we do a lot especially with more advanced pregnancy issues um such as like a gestational hypertensive or a pre like as soon as that happens we would usually send them on to an ob gyn or a, an mfm if that was needed
0: yeah And um, the other, like, family medicine is super flexible, though, too. Like, I worked with family medicine doctors in med school who, like, Like one of them I worked with only did addiction medicine. That's all he did. And he loved it. And that's what he decided that he wanted to do. And then I did one, I worked with one who loved OB and it was like a super Catholic part of Iowa. And she decided that she just wanted to like learn natural family planning and like get like certified in it. And so that's what she did because she knew that her patients like needed that like care and that was like her niche. And then I've worked with like doctors who like inpatient medicine and their family medicine doctors and they don't really have a clinic and they just do inpatient and that's what they do. So like, it's really like, if you do family, you have to do everything in residency, but that's only three years of your life. And then after that, you really can do whatever you want to do.
3: And even I, as a family medicine doc, like I have a really soft spot for, so ICU medicine, but if I end up in a rural hospital somewhere, that's a primary access hospital, even I can help out and work in the ICU. So, I mean, for family medicine, if you, if you have no idea... In your fourth year of medical school, school <laughs> what you want to do and you're okay doing anything like family medicine is not a bad, not a bad idea, but if you no, know, they for sure do
1: radiology or dermatology. Or that That's
3: true. If, <laughs> if you have the grades, you definitely could <laughs> think about doing radiology or dermatology. True. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh
3: boy. It but is uh, like,
1: it is cool. It's a great field. Like family medicine is a great field. There's a yeah. lot of cool opportunities, especially if you're interested in public health and Especially yeah, nice. if you're interested in living in a rural area.
3: Yeah, exactly. The nice thing is, yeah, you can make it kind of whatever you want to make it. You can do education. You can do public, uh, like public service. You can do a lot. Yeah. Like global medicine is a big thing for family medicine to do. So it's there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities.
1: But not so much if you're interested in being a surgeon.
3: No, no. And,
1: I mean, I do think it's a valid concern though to worry about if you're someone who's interested in obstetrics training. I mean there is a realistic nature of the fact that the training for family medicine residents is just harder to come by i
3: yeah you are absolutely right if uh, my my recommendation to anyone who's considering going into family med and wants to do ob is that needs to be one of your one of your top uh i don't know indicators of a good residency is how many deliveries the family med residents get because that is that is either a make or a break. Either you get enough deliveries and you feel comfortable to deliver babies or you just don't and you're just you just don't. You just don't do baby. You just don't do OB. Yeah,
1: um, because there's like because technically you don't have a certain number that you need to graduate, right?
3: We um, have, uh, I think, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's actually only five continuity deliveries right now is the uh, the requirement.
1: Okay. Okay, but so... then different residents
0: a, have different numbers.
1: Right, okay. So, and that's different, right? I think sometimes people say, like, oh, we only need five. But that's different than, like, where you would feel comfortable as a doctor, like, going or, into a situation, right. being like, Or a this hospital me. being
3: comfortable hiring you to do OB.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, well, and also think about
0: it. Our ED residents have to get 10 deliveries here. Like... And they do not ever, you know, like yeah. they, I mean, they do do it because people come in and deliver a baby in the ER, but like they are not supposed to. Like, I mean, that's not part of, you know, it's like not really part of their like scope of practice, but they still have yeah. to like know how to, how to do it.
1: Though so delivering a baby is fine when it goes, it's really easy when it goes well, not so easy when it goes poorly. Yeah. Exactly. That's really if what it's precipitous,
0: wanna... then it's going fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you might know, you might have to know how to resuscitate a baby, but that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Good times. Not actually. Actually terrible times. Yeah. I had a oh. lady roll up at nine centimeters
1: yesterday. It My first
0: night back from um from vacation, we had a lady break her water at the nurses station, go to her room, deliver, and I went in to write her H and P, and there was a baby in there, and I was like, uh. <laughs> no one called me. I was like, but there was another doctor there, so it's fine. Oh, but I okay. was just like, uh, okay. <laughs>
1: Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> yep. I was like, okay. Um, in in our hospital, they call a cold code stork <laughs> when oh, like uh something like that's about like if they're not on labor and delivery or whatever, and they're uh-huh. like they're gonna deliver, so they call a code stork, and we like run to the ED or wherever it is they're supposed to be. Maybe that's what we need. That
3: is really smart
1: because we have a lot of
0: toilet babies in the ER, unfortunately. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, but yeah. Sure, you can go to the bathroom. No, no, never. I never let patients go to the bathroom. I'm like, nope. <laughs> let me check you first. <laughs> I have to poop. No, you don't. <laughs> You're having a baby.
1: Oh, maybe Stop. you do have to poop. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes
0: you do have to poop, though, otherwise, the baby can't come out. <laughs>
3: both at the okay. same time.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Oh man, our lives. <laughs> we were literally talking this morning during checkout about how, like, once you have like had a patient like poop or fart on you, you like have no problem walking into their room, like, rounding on them while they're like breastfeeding or like on the toilet or anything. You're just like, whatever.
2: We
1: <laughs> there's no there's no saying share anything a, anymore. We
2: share a bond, you and I.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Or yeah. like. When someone has splashed their amniotic fluid in your face. Yeah.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That's uh, a yeah. great great time had by all.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> have we addressed
3: Ooh, Kristen's yeah. question?
1: I, I think we have. Okay. Maybe Kristen can be the judge of that. Kristen,
2: let us know if you have any other questions. Uh, Thanks
1: for writing in and listening, and good job doing your... That's awesome that you yep. are working on centering pregnancy. That's cool. I think
2: we'd like to hear more about... Uh, what happens with that? So uh, keep us posted. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting for you and your hospital and the people in your area uh, if it, yeah. if, it if, if it comes off. Guys, it's, it's often said that breastfeeding is best for the baby with many health mm-hmm. benefits, right? It's also, it's also yeah. often said that it's free, freer than formula, hm. you know, cheap. But there's a story in Slate yeah. on the economics of breastfeeding, um, and the author says we should stop telling mothers that it's free because it ain't. Um, the argument here is that it's, ki- it's kind of obvious if you think about it, if you've paid any attention to a breastfeeding mother, or you are one yourself, it takes a hell of a lot of time and effort to feed a baby with just a pair of boobs. Um, and I looked up what some doctors recommend for feeding times and frequencies, and, and newborn babies should be fed, according to what I've read, um, for a total of four hours a day, broken up over the over the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know that amount of time decreases by the time they're a few months old, but it's a lot of time that has a certain economic value. And the thing is, we we don't know how much value it has. We haven't looked at it. Um, but whatever, many workplaces don't take that into consideration at all. In fact, employers aren't required to pay moms for the time spent pumping. And small workplaces are even exempt from even allowing mothers to take breaks to breastfeed or to pump. Um, but it should be possible to take the value of breast milk into account in, um, say, like country's gross domestic product. But countries don't really. Oh. Mm-hmm. Countries don't do that. Um, but there was, uh, in this article, a 2013 study which tried to figure out how much breast milk was worth according to how much would be lost if women's lactation wasn't protected. And it found that Australia's milk production, Australia's human milk production would be worth $3 billion, Norway's would be worth $907 million um and that uh, the US would be somewhere around 110 billion um yeah. but that's only the milk as a commodity it doesn't take into account the time it takes for women to actually produce milk in fact it doesn't it doesn't seem like we know how much time it takes for women to breastfeed i did some some searches and i couldn't find anyone who said yeah the average woman breastfeeds for x amount of hours uh during the period in which she's breastfeeding do you guys know any Happen to know any figures?
0: Well, not like off the top of my head, but I would, I don't know. I don't, I should ask. One of our residents is pumping right now, but. It's a lot of time. Yeah. I
3: mean, it's every two hours, isn't it? Is no, when well, they're, when they're newborn. newborn. For a yeah. newborn. I mean, and that does start to stretch out to three and then four. I mean, yeah. it
2: goes up and up, but
3: especially I would say at the like, beginning. It's and it a probably
0: lot. takes like 15 minutes to a half hour to pump. Like, they say, it takes a while. What
2: I've read is that uh, 10 to 15 minutes per side. Right. Um, so if you figure, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, it's kind of a, Kind of a, at a time. That's kind of a chunk.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of time. I read one. That
2: is a lot of time. I did read uh, one mom's calculations of how much she breastfed during her kid's first year, which she was able to do because she took uh, good notes and also she's a social media. She's an Instagram uh, influencer, so she was always posting about mm-hmm. breastfeeding and things like that. So she had a pretty good record. She figured she spent eighteen hundred and twenty-five hours doing that in the first year. In a year. In that year. And if we assume that she spends a third, that she would spend a third of each day at some paying work, so you know, eight hours. That means that more than 600 hours of that 1,825 uh, is that right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. 600 hours of work that she'd have given up. And so when you match that with the average weekly pay for a 20 to 24 year old um, of a bit more than 12, 12 dollars an hour, that's uh, you know, 7,700 dollars worth of your time. And if you're 25 to 34 year olds, that number number rises to eleven thousand uh, dollars, sort of given up in that year. So I think that's that's a that's a one woman's figure. And you know, like it, the, the time it takes f- to breastfeed varies widely, right? I mean, babies mm-hmm. babies can you know suck it all down in a few minutes, and other babies just lie there and sort of let it drip out or something. I don't know.
1: Some babies are lazy. Yeah. It's
3: true. Uh, Some take a long time or they'll fall asleep and then wake up and decide to keep going. Yeah. And then it
2: just takes forever. I Mm -hmm. remember that being a huge pain in the ass for my wife. Um, I mean, there is some evidence that women who breastfeed longer are more likely to quit working or to switch to part-time work, which links breastfeeding with uh, class and gender inequality. Um, And so, you know, maybe we should stop telling women that it's free because... Yeah. yeah. If you're making 12 bucks an hour giving up 7700 dollars worth of your productivity, um, your economic productivity, that's 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 uh yeah, that's, that's a big chunk of change. It's huge.
0: Yeah. I think it's all it's also like I don't know, my favorite part cuz okay, so as a uh healthcare professional, like I do think breast milk is better for babies and for moms. Um because there's like a lot of other non-financial benefits, but I my favorite part of this is that like the idea that you're basically telling women that their time is valueless, which I totally agree with. Like your time is valuable and you should treat it that way. And it is like, it is valuable. Your time is valuable. Um, and you should like realize that this is, you know, that, but I mean, feeding a baby formula takes time too. It's just, you don't have to pump and everything, but yeah. Um I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I just to, I think it's like it is very true that you breastfeeding is like a a sacrifice yeah. that you make kind of.
2: And you know you're you're just not what I cool. should have done and I wish I had done was sort of tried to figure out how much y- you would sp- maybe try to figure out how much you would spend in formula and whether that somehow equals out to the time you spent um pumping or breastfeeding or whatever. Yeah. Um
1: I think also I mean this should inform like I said with like Katie said I mean Obviously as a healthcare professional, I believe that, you know, breast milk is, you know, better for the baby, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to, as healthcare providers, like be socially aware of like how, you know, privilege plays a part in like how long women are able to
2: breastfeed and how for for
1: some, some people it's just not feasible and not to like shame our patients about that yeah yes yeah I agree it's really
3: easy to say you know breast is best and leave it at that but it's it's really hard to have those conversations of this is going to take time and feeding your baby is going to take time and it's a lot of work it can be painful it can it can be just a lot of getting to know yourself and your baby and it's I think it's a lot harder than we make it out to be we we pretend it's really easy like oh just just breastfeed your baby it's natural everyone's done it for thousands of years but it's when it actually comes down to it, it can be kind of hard sometimes, and a lot of moms yeah. struggle with it.
2: The uh, the author argues that there are a couple of fixes. Um, go beyond breaks for pumping and lactation. Go beyond breaks for pumping, and go beyond lactation rooms and things like that. And start introducing affordable on-site near or nearby care for mothers while they work, so that they can you know go in and 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 breastfeed rather than pump or something like that. And offer paid parental leave to all parents for months or years, however long. One wants to breastfeed, um, and there are countries that do that um, yeah. that we've talked about. So we'd have to, I, gosh, American society would have to change a hell of a lot. We'd yeah. have to, we'd have to, I don't know, not be capitalists anymore. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. So really interesting article. Of course, I'll link. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, at thevagabonds.com. You can check it out in this episode show notes.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, awesome.
2: Any fallopian files? All right.
0: Yeah. Fallopian files.
2: My, uh, my fallopian files is, uh, a series of science fiction books, uh, called Lieutenant Leary Commanding. Um, I love science fiction. I, I am such a dork.
0: Me too, Dave. Do ya?
2: I just love science yeah. fiction. Lieutenant Leary Commanding, uh, by, uh, David Drake. And, uh, I don't know, it's just a really fun, really fun, uh, series of, of books. Um, about, eh, I won't even tell you what it's about. It's just cool. Go read it.
0: Tell me. I want to know.
2: All right. Uh, the series of books is, it's more of a look at, uh, it's, it's a series of adventures, of course, in space. Um, Lieutenant Leary is a young man who is, uh, you know, full of, uh, full of honor, but also piss and vinegar. And, uh, and he goes around the, he goes, he <laughs> goes around space kicking ass and taking names with his crack crew of, of, uh, of uh, rough and tumble spacers, um, but it's also about the society in which they live, which is based on. It seems like it's based on somehow uh, Victorian, almost or Elizabethan uh, attitudes of honor and um, and uh, and and class, class as in um, classism and and mm-hmm. socioeconomic status and things like that. Um, I just think it's a heck of a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. I probably would like that, too. All right. All right. Do you have one now? Adam? All right. I'll go. So mine is a podcast that I just found recently. It's called Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. <laughs> and it's a podcast about Greek myths. Oh. And the girl who does it has her, or she got her degree in classical... Um, or in the classics or whatever Mm -hmm. so essentially like Greek and Roman mythology and she is hilarious and she basically just talks she like talks about how like everybody's just raping everybody and how it's like terrible and she like throws shade at Zeus constantly (laughs) and it's hilarious to me and she just like like one of the episode titles is called Theseus Ruiner of Women and All-Around Awful Guy (laughs) Awful Person (laughs) and it's just like so good yeah, Greek myths yeah, are crazy. It's very entertaining.
2: Greek myths are crazy. They're all running around, yeah. having sex with each other, and then turning into trees and having things pop out of their foreheads. And and yeah. uh, it's crazy time at, uh, at Mount Mount Olympus there.
0: It's true. All right, Corbs, what you got?
1: Hmm, I don't think I have anything.
2: That's okay.
1: I don't know. Let me think. That's, oh, I am. My New resolution is reading, so I'm starting to read again uh, for fun. You know, yeah, you know
3: that is a good so one. That's my. Yeah.
1: That's my vag or my what you call it? L- you know, files.
2: fallopian
3: L- file, L- file. Are you all right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um.
1: You know that thing that we're doing yes, right the now. Thing we,
2: we're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, even though you guys have um, have a lot of uh, you, you know you, a lot of your time taken up by your work, um, just must be so nice to at least once in a while take a minute to to crack open a book Mm -hmm. good resolution did you come up with one Adam it's okay if you didn't I did Uh, so
3: uh, I've actually been watching or I watched the new Sabrina on Netflix as my as my culture so it's uh, very unlike the old one if anyone watched the old one on uh, ABC TV back in the 90s uh, the um, there's no animatronic cat in this one (laughs) which is kind of helpful because it was a little creepy back in the 90s when we didn't have quite that technology Uh, but the new one is really interesting because, of course, Sabrina. Uh, we've got our female uh, protagonist, uh, which is always good, and it actually dives into the occult a little more than I was expecting. It's a little darker, um, so it's actually—it's a little—it really seems like it good. might be a it's little darker. darker right? I can't watch it; too it's it's scary. It's—it's su- pretty dark. It's pretty dark, but it's also really good. Like having grown up in a very, you know, conservative Christian, we always learned about all this, all this witchcraft stuff mm-hmm. and the devil and all that yeah. stuff, but. Uh, it's it's interesting actually learning a little bit more about what actual witchcraft
2: is kind of like. So Did you um, guys ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Oh yeah.
1: I've only no. really seen like an I've That's, seen reruns of it. I was
2: wondering if it was uh, in some ways comparable.
3: Um it's it's a little darker I would say but it's really good. I would compare it more uh to almost Stranger Things. Oh okay. Um but it's it's fantastic. But it's
0: scarier than Stranger Things no. cuz I can't watch Sabrina but I can watch Stranger Things. Okay.
1: Sabrina's definitely scarier than Stranger Things, I think. I'm going to give yeah. it a shot.
3: I
2: Thank you, that. Adam. Still good. All right. Yeah. Very good.
1: It's a lot darker, I would say.
2: Yeah,
3: it's it's pretty dark, but it's uh it, it's it's really really good. It's it's easy to watch TV.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot when I watched it. Well, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think we're done. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for coming, Adam. Yeah.
3: No problem. I finally made it on. Now I can sneak back into my cave for another uh, how many year and a half <laughs> year and a <laughs> half. <laughs>
2: All right, feel free to barge in sometime.
1: All right, bye, guys.
2: Bye. Bye.